Well, hello, my name is Captain Bartholomew Smith, and I've got a few stories from my time out on the sea. So I looked down and noticed that my arm was completely caught in the diesel engine. Took a lot of seal butter to get that thing out. So I sailed right into that cave and voila, Atlantis. <laughs> Place was a dump. There was little Sebastian from the Little Mermaid and birds are singing around him, kid you not. So I ran as fast as my legs would carry me. I loaded up my harpoon gun and I told that dock worker, I'm not paying a $5 fee. Hey, thank you very much. Dustin is way too kind. Thank you very much. Yeah, like you said, my name is Jeff. Welcome to Life Church today. So good to see you. Hey, would you do me a favor? Hold that applause for all throughout the service because if you just shout me down, Appleton likes to shout me down. They, they yell really loud. So if you help me with that, it will go a lot shorter. All right? Is everyone good with that? Okay? It will go a lot, a lot shorter. So good. So good to be with you guys. We love being a part of a multi-site church. So cool. We love Germantown and everyone here. Awesome to be able to connect with you. I'm so honored to be able to preach to you this weekend. So grab your Bibles. We're going to turn to the book of Mark. And uh, we've been in a series called Boats. And how many of us like those intros? I'm telling you, so good. I hope Kevin starts selling seal butter out in the lobby. You know what I mean? Like, what is that? But I want some of it. You know what I mean? Come on, somebody. But we've been in a series based on a true story. And today we're going to tell a true story out of the Bible. It's going to be about Jesus. It's going to be about Jesus' heart for people and his heart to reach people. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 4. If you turn there in your Bibles, we're going to skip around a little bit. So bear with me. I think it's important to read this scripture in its entirety. So we're going to start Mark chapter 4, verse 35. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screen as well says this, the day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in a boat. Skip down to chapter 5, verse 1, for sake of time. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus had got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit from the tombs came to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons with his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran on his knees, and in front of him he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of this area. One more passage Go down a few more verses in your Bible to verse 15. When, Jesus came, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what happened to the demon-possessed man and about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting in the boat, the man with the demon who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but he said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. 
So the man went away and began to tell in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. The title of my talk this morning is One More. Do me a favor, tap your neighbor and tell him one more. One more. Just one more. Just one more. More. When I was in high school, we had a youth group, and every year we would go to Six Flags. It was awesome. I love Six Flags. I'm all about it. I love the rides, thrill rides, water rides, spinning rides, up-down rides. I'm all about it, okay? I love it. Anyway, but we were back, and we were in youth group, and uh, we were going, and I brought my buddy with me. He was not saved. He was not a Christian, and uh, it was cool that he got to come because, you know, I got to show him that not all Christians are weird, just some of them, you know, and... Uh, if you don't get that, then you're the weird one. <laughs> Anyways, uh, but we were going, and we had an awesome day, and then we left. And as we were leaving, they were handing out a promotional drink. It was called the Rockstar. And I hate Rockstars now, and I'll tell you why. Rockstars are an energy drink, and they're disgusting, all right? And sorry, Rockstar, if you're watching this, which I'm sure you are in Jesus' name. Anyways, <laughs> and, and so we're walking, and my buddy, you know, he may have been a partier, just maybe, took 15 of them. I took one. So we get to the van, and he looks at me, and he says, I dare you to drink eight. And I said, if you drink the other eight. He said, all right. It was a, it was a very Christmas story moment, like, I double dog dare you. You know, like, it was one of those moments. And I was like, I'll do it, fine. So everyone in our van, including the youth pastor, okay, which, not a good idea. Anyways, starts telling us, jug, jug, drink one more. You can do it. Jug, jug. We get back to the church. My entire body is shaking. We run from the van, and I rock those rock stars the wrong way, okay? I got back. It was like, no, I never want to smell rock star ever again in my life. And, and, and the point is this. Everyone in the van told us just to drink one more because I believe we live in a one more society, one more car for your collection, one more drink for your tab. Now, I'm not saying one more is always bad because trying to stop me from having one more Chick-fil-A sandwich, and I'll meet you in the parking lot after church. You know what I'm saying? God's chicken in Jesus' name. But <laughs> it's good. It's good chicken. Have you been there? Go. Anyways, we live in a one more society, and I don't think it's always bad, but I've seen that we live one more in just about every aspect of our life except in church and our spirituality. That's where we kind of step back. And I wonder if in Christianity, not just today, but all the way back to when Jesus was around, if we get more stuck in the method of which we like reaching people rather than the message of Jesus. I wonder if we get stuck in the method and we miss the people. Is your church traditional or do you pull uh, contemporary songs? Is your church a hymnal church? Do you have a cross on every wall? Is the carpet red like the blood of Jesus or is it some other sinful color? You know what I mean? Like, what is it? Do you have small groups or do you have Sunday school? Like, do you have, like, good people up there or do you have them hipsters? You know what I mean? Like, we don't got any hipsters here because hipsters don't shower. Thank you for that. Anyways, it, it's... We don't, what is it all about? And we get stuck in these methods of church, but we miss the message of Jesus. And the message of Jesus is holy. A method of how we do church is not holy. The message of Jesus says that all shall come to eternal life through him if they confess with their mouth and believe in their heart. The gospel is not just meant for you, but it is meant to go through you. 
You are only living out part of the gospel if what you hear and what you learn here at church stays with you. You're only living it some way. I want to show you today that Jesus has a passion to reach people. I want to show you just how far he will go to reach just one more person. Because just like you and me, through your actions, we can see what you value. So through Jesus' actions, we can see what he values. So I'll give you some context of what's happening. In Mark chapter 3, Jesus picks his 12 disciples. And you got to know, they're pumped at this point. They're like, yeah, I'm one of the 12. Come on. Woo! You know Peter. He's all about it. You know what I mean? We're with Jesus. This is good. He's the next Messiah. Come on. And they go. And Jesus takes them on their very first ministry trip. Now imagine this. Very first ministry trip. Mark chapter 4. Jesus starts preaching. All right? And thousands of people show up. Thousands of people. So much so that Jesus has to push out from a boat from the shore in order to preach to all the people. Now, he could have just backed up onto the shore or off the shore into the water, but he would have then had to stop the sermon to bring people back from the dead. All right? So he just decided, I'll push out on a boat. And he's preaching, and he's on a boat, and he's preaching, and he's on a boat. You get what I'm talking about? Anyways, He's on a boat, and he's preaching, and he's living it up, and he thinks, this is great. This is good. He turns to his disciples, I've had enough of this. What we didn't have time to read, which I'm about to explain to you, is Mark chapter 4 through 5 is this. Jesus turns to his disciples, and he says, I have a message for someone on the other side of the lake. So let's go over to the other side. Disciples say, all right, let's go. They start heading out the other way. You have to imagine, put yourself in their shoes. Their expectations must be through the roof. We're with Jesus. This is incredible. We're with God. What could go wrong? And then in the middle of the lake, they hit a storm. Now, these guys are fishermen, but this was a bad storm, a real bad storm. So much that they start screaming. They're like, this is it. This is the end. I don't know what I'm, I mean. I'm sorry, Jesus. Where are you? They're looking for Jesus. He's in the bottom of the boat sleeping. And they're like, what? Why are you sleeping? This is ridiculous. They're screaming. They're like terrified for their life. Lord, did you bring us out here to die? And Jesus wakes up from his nap. And I can just imagine him rubbing his eyes, thinking to himself, this is going to be a long three years with these boys, let me tell you. <laughs> Walks to the top of the boat, looks out, says, quiet, be still. That's something that speaks to Jesus' character. Because Jesus is so powerful, he doesn't have to yell, he doesn't have to scream, but all he has to do is speak, and the wind and the waves will be still. If you're here today and you have a storm, you're going through a storm, all you need is Jesus to speak one word or two words into your situation, and it will be still. Jesus speaks that. Now, the disciples, they're terrified because they're like, who is this guy? The wind and the waves obey this guy. I mean, this is crazy. We just thought he was like another teacher, but then thousands of people show up, and now we're heading to the other side, and a storm hits us, and then the storm stops when this guy starts talking. We might be onto something. Can you wait to the other side? Come on, there's going to be thousands of people, I'm telling you. They head to the other side, and as they're approaching the shore, they can see from a distance just one guy, and this dude, he ain't acting normal, okay? 
He's jumping, he's screaming, he's chained to a tombstone. He's chained up, he's cut all over, he's screaming bloody murder. And the disciples probably see him and they're like, no, no, that is not what I signed up for. I did not come to reach that guy, Jesus. I mean, come on. They look over whoever's driving the boat. They're like, did you use Apple Maps? Because Apple Maps leads us astray every time, okay? It's Google and that's it. We never use Apple Maps. Come on, Peter. Why are you leading us astray, man? Where are we going? This, is, this isn't even right, Jesus. It's just one guy. There's supposed to be thousands. It's just one guy, Jesus. And he's, he isn't even like a ruler. He isn't like influential or anything. He's crazy. Well, apparently, the criteria of which Jesus has to whether people are worth reaching or not is not the same as what we do. Because Jesus saw that man and he thought, just one more, just one more. He runs up to the shore. He gets to the shore. This man runs down to Jesus. Now, this man is filled with 2,000 demons, okay? That's a lot. And demon possession is believed to come through either a habitual sin that you are unforgiving for, that you have not asked for forgiveness, or through satanic worship. And so this dude had done a lot of things. He had not held him back from anything. He did everything under the sun. If there was a sin in the Bible, he did it. And, and he runs to Jesus and he falls at his feet. And the beauty of Jesus is seen in this moment because even though this guy had struggled so much, even though this guy had sinned and was not worthy, it was still not enough to keep Jesus from driving his boat right to him. I want to tell you today, wherever you are, wherever you've been, whatever you've done, Jesus is coming for you today. You're in church. I don't care if you're drunk from the party last night. Jesus wants to bring hope and healing to your life. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus is coming for you today. He's there for you today. He wants to minister to you today. Jesus left thousands of people for just one man. He left thousands of people for just one. He tells a parable later on in his ministry that if you're a shepherd over a hundred sheep and just one of them runs off, wouldn't you go after the one and leave the 99? He said you would. Jesus' heart has always been about one more. Jesus' heart has always been about reaching more people. Now, the question to the Christ follower today is this. It isn't whether Jesus is going to the other side or not. It's whether you're going to be in the boat with him. It isn't whether Jesus is going to try to reach your city. It isn't whether Jesus wants to reach your coworkers. It's whether you're going to get in the boat and cross the lake to go with him. That's the question. I simply like to call it as living on mission. And I know it sounds really faith-filled when I'm talking about it right now, but I understand how difficult it is. Because I got saved, and I didn't do this. When I first got saved, I looked at all of my friends, and I thought, there's no way I can tell you about Jesus. I failed biology. How am I supposed to tell you about Genesis? I, I don't understand. This, this doesn't make any sense. I, I, I'm too messed up to reach you. Like, I still got my own issues that I have plenty of tissues for. Like, I, I still got struggles. I don't know if I can really reach you. But what it took me a long time to realize is that while I was trying to put myself together, my friends were falling apart. 
And I didn't have to be perfect to come to Jesus. I just had to take a step. I just had to get in the boat to begin to follow him to the other side. You don't have to be perfect to reach those in your family and those around you. See, the world glorifies a finished product. But that's not what God glorifies because there is no finished product. You will never be perfect. God glorifies the work in progress. He says, though a righteous man falls down seven times, he what? Gets up again. See, we, we have this picture in our mind that we, can, we have to be perfect as Christians before we can reach anybody. It's just like Instagram. It's like show your best and hide the rest. You know what I mean? Like show the selfie that looks really good and then delete the 75 other ones where you're trying to, you know what I mean? You're like, how do I look thin, you know? Got to pull the double chain. You got a piece of tape over here. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I've done it. Like, yeah, I want to look really big, you know? It doesn't work. It's fake. It's false. It's not real. You don't have to be perfect to come to Jesus, and you don't have to be perfect to work with Jesus. Look at the disciples. I mean, Peter cut a dude's ear off, Okay. Later in, later in the book, he cut some guy's ear off, which I would love to ask him when we get to heaven. How did you just cut his ear off? I mean, did he go like this and you go like that? Like, I want to know. Are you that bad with your sword? You know what I mean? It's besides the point. Anyways, the time is now. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to wait until you got all your stuff together to go and to reach your city. You don't have to wait. You can go. The time is now to reach out to people. So maybe you're humor me and you're here today and you're like, yeah, I'll get in the boat. Cool. Awesome. You get in the boat. We'll follow the disciple story as yours. So the journey is filled with excitement, right? Joy, anticipation. You're like, whoo, this is going to be good. I'm with Jesus. Before I wasn't with Jesus, it was, all, it was all hard. But now that I'm with Jesus, it will be good. It'll be awesome. Now you get going and you're going a little bit. And then all of a sudden a storm hits in your life. All of a sudden, because of budget cuts, you lose your job. All of a sudden, one of your kids falls away from the Lord and runs away from home. All of a sudden, your marriage starts having problems. And you're thinking to yourself, I'm with Jesus. This is ridiculous. Why am I in a storm? I'm with Jesus. I understand I'm in the storm when I'm in the middle of my sin. But, but now that I'm with Jesus, why am I still in a storm? You know, I, think, I was thinking about storms this week. I think they're very interesting because whether your theology will allow God for you to think that God and Jesus had them leave so that they would go through the storm or whether it was caused by the opposition, it doesn't really matter because I think storms do something to us. Whatever caused the storm, I want you to know that the storm is meant and God will use that storm to shake something out of you. The big waves and the scary wind, it's not meant to drown you, but it's meant for you to drop the thing that is. It's meant for you to drop that insecurity. It's meant for you to drop that pride. It's meant for you to drop that secret sin. It is not meant to, to harm you, but it is meant to help you. And in the middle of the storm, you have really two options in my mind. You either run to the feet of Jesus and you say, Jesus, I know you're asleep right now and, and I don't understand why and maybe you can tell me at some point and it seems like you're away from me and I can, but he'll help you or you can run back to your struggle. That's usually the two options that I see. You either run to Jesus, the Savior, or you run to your personal struggle. 
That's usually what happens. You got to let go. In the middle of the storm, it's not meant to defeat you, but it's meant for you to drop what is. And the hard part that I can't get past, if you're going to get in the boat, if you say, Jeff, I'll get in the boat, cool. I'll start reaching my family. The hard part that I can't get across is this, that sometimes you may have to walk through a hopeless situation to reach a soul without hope. I can't get past it, but you know this, that if you run to Jesus, the scary waves will turn into quiet waters. That if you run to Jesus, he can speak to your storm and it will be still. But it's reliant on the fact of where do you run to. Do you run to the Savior or do you run to your struggle? Now they arrive at the other side. The disciples do, right? They get out of the boat. Scripture says when this man saw Jesus, he began to sprint to him, ran to him with everything in him. Now you have to understand, I said this man has 2,000 demons. He had to fight with everything inside of him to get to Jesus. He had to fight every single sin to get to the presence of God. And when he got to the presence of God, he just was only able to kneel. I want you to know something, that you don't know what it took for people to get here. You don't know that guy who's maybe got you know, a little rough around the edges or that, that lady who dresses that way or that kid that acts that way. You don't know what they had to fight to get to church this weekend. And so I want to tell you, we meet people right where they are. Jesus met this guy right where he was in the middle of his sin with 2,000 demons in the sand. Jesus said, I'm here for you. This man ran to Jesus. It took everything into him to get to the presence of God. I don't know what you've had to fight to get here today because we all have our struggles. Whatever you had to fight, I just want you to know you get in the presence of Jesus and things can change. Jesus speaks to this man, what is your name? Legion, because we are many. Wow, it's a lot. Jesus looks at him. They have a conversation we didn't get to read. They say, we don't want you to send us from this city, Jesus, because we like being here. <laughs> we like controlling this dude. I mean, it's fun. And Jesus says, no. And they say, how about you send us into those pigs? Jesus says, cool. Sends him into the pigs, drowns the pigs in the lake. Now the herdsmen run back to the city. And they're not too happy about this because they were looking to have ribs for dinner. You know, like they're upset. Like, hey, listen, that one, Betsy, I was going to kill her tonight. And you just drowned her, Jesus. This ain't cool. They run back. And they see this guy. And he's sitting there. And this is the townspeople. And, and scripture will tell you that the only time they checked on this dude is to make sure he was still bound up. They didn't care about him any other time, just make sure that he stays away from us. So they heard that he's healed. They run back and they think to themselves, holy cow. And scripture says that this guy is clothed, which means that when he got into their presence, he was naked, okay? He was naked, as you would say in the South. And he's in his right mind. And you think the townspeople would be so excited. But they look at Jesus and they say, get out. We don't want you here. We like that guy chained up. We don't, it messed with us. We don't, we don't want him free. Like, we don't trust that guy. Jesus, get off our island. Jesus looks at him and says, I'll get in the boat. 
That's okay. See, God's not going to force his love upon you. He'll be there waiting for you when you want to receive him, but he's not going to say, I have to be here in the middle of your struggle if you don't want me here. Jesus says, I'll get in the boat. The demon-possessed man runs up to Jesus, free now, says, Jesus, can I go with you? And Jesus says, no, you need to go back home. There's healing still yet to be done. I love that pastor shared that a few weeks ago. You got to go back home. Because at home, you got to bring your healing you had here home. So this man begins to preach, and he begins to go out into that city. And the city that rejected Jesus is the city that he begins to preach in and bring people to him. It's beautiful how the gospel spreads. But what I want you to see is verse 21. Jesus leaves that place and heads back to the other side of the lake. He traveled an entire lake through a storm, he faced thousands of demons for just one man. Then he went back over to the other side. Three points I want you to remember today, if you're taking notes, is this. The first one is get in the boat. If you've been living a just one more lifestyle and everywhere but your Christianity, and today you would say, I'm a follower of Jesus, then I want to encourage you to get in the boat. And what that means is live on mission. Go after your community. Go after your city. Reach them for Jesus. It doesn't have to be super spiritual. It can just be, hey, man, come hang out with me at my life group. Hey, get in the boat. It's really simple for me. This Thursday for my life group, we went in a boat. It was awesome, Okay. Take advantage of the lake life in Wisconsin. You know what I mean? Like, take advantage of live in community, get in the boat, invite people into those circles where you're just hanging out. Invite people into that. Number two, stay with Jesus in the storm. Stay with Jesus in the storm. If you're in a storm today and you're struggling, you're like, I'm with Jesus, I gave my life to Christ, I want you to know the storm isn't meant to drown you, but it's meant for you to drop what is. So maybe today you need to repent as we pray later on in the service. You need to repent. God, I'm going to drop that secret sin. God, I'm going to drop that pride. I'm going to drop that struggle. I'm going to let go of the things that are drowning me. Get in that community. Get some people around you that are going to push you to Jesus, then pull you to your struggle. Stay with Jesus in the storm. And the third one is this. Live for one more. Live for one more. I want to share a powerful story today of a man named Desmond Doss. Desmond Doss was a soldier in World War II. Doss was a devout Seventh-day Adventist, and he did not believe in murder, but he felt that it was his duty to take part in the war. So he went into the war as a medic and refused to carry a weapon. Now, as you can imagine, his fellow soldiers were not too happy when they heard that he wasn't carrying a weapon because they thought he was a liability. Many times through his basic training, he faced opposition from his commanding officers. They tried to get him discharged from the army. But Doss prevailed. And in the summer of 1944, he served in Guam, the Philippines, before facing the hardest battle of his life in Okinawa. He walked up to a 400-foot ridge that had been nicknamed by the soldiers Hacksaw Ridge. 
They began the battle the next morning on Hacksaw. Sometime during the battle, which seemed impossible, his battalion ordered a retreat. But Doss stayed up top. In an interview later on, he said, I stayed up top because I didn't value my life over any of my other fellow soldiers. So I stayed. And he prayed a prayer. Lord, help me. What should I do? And he said, he heard, help. Help. I've been shot. And so he began to run to his fellow soldiers. He began to drag them over to the edge of Hacksaw. He tied a rope around them and lowered them down one by one. And after each time, he would pray a simple prayer, Lord, help me just get one more. One more, Lord. Help me just get one more. At the end of the night, he had saved 75 men before he was the last one that lowered himself down. Just one more, Lord. They tell the story that Doss would go after people that no one else wanted to save. They said, this person's too far gone. Doss said, no, they're worth it to me. He would drag them to the edge and lower them down. If you're a follower of Jesus in this room today, I want to encourage you, let that prayer be your prayer. Let the just one more anointing from Desmond Doss be from your soul today. As you walk out of these doors, help me just reach one more, Lord. Help me just help one more, Lord. We as Christians should be the ones who's running into the battlefield and pulling people out. We'll be the ones who say, no one is too far gone. I know you've hurt me. I know you've, you've, you've beaten, and this, this has been a terrible relationship, but I believe Jesus will bring restoration where there has been none. I believe Jesus will be there. Just one more, Lord. Help me just get one more. And I bet if you listen at your job, you'll hear, help I can't pay for my bills. Help. My kids are running away. Help. My marriage is having struggles. And that's when you need to pray. Lord, help me just get one more. Help me just help one more. I've been talking to two different people today. First group is those of you who are in the room and you're followers of Jesus. You would identify that you're a follower of God. If that's you in this room today, I want to encourage you to get into the boat, to stay with Jesus through the storm, and to live for one more. The other group that I've been talking to today is a group that is maybe far from God. And maybe you would be here today, and you're like, I, I don't know Jesus. And if that's you in the room today, I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to him right now. The Bible says that salvation is right now. Now, the time is now for salvation. The time is now to change. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. The time is now. So I have two questions for everyone in the room. I'm going to ask every head bow and every eye closed. No one moving around. Just be very still. My first question is this. If you're in the room today, you'd say, I don't know Jesus, and I want to give my life to him. Maybe I've been running from him for many years, and 
I'm going to come back to him now for the very first time. If that's you in the room and you say, today is my day. I want to make salvation my day today. I don't want to never be the same. If that's you today in this room, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to slip your hand up and put it right back down just so I know who I'm praying for. If that's you today, one, two, three. Slip it up. Awesome. See that hand. Thank you. See that hand. Thank you. Thank you. You can put those hands down. We're going to pray for that question in just a moment, but I have another question. And that's for everyone else in the room, you'd say, I'm a follower of Jesus today. If you're in this room and you want that Desmond Doss, just one more anointing, you want that passion for your city, and maybe you've been saying, I've been stuck, and I've, I haven't been in the boat. I've been doing my own thing. And today, I want to ask the Lord, and I want you to pray with me so that I can reach the people who are around me. If that's you in this room today, you say, I, I need help reaching people, and I want you to pray for me. I want you to slip your hand up on the count of three. One, two, three. Shoot them up. Awesome. Praise God. Awesome. You can put those hands down. We're going to pray for that first question, and I'm going to ask that everyone in the room, whether you've prayed a salvation prayer a hundred times or this is your very first time, that you would lift your voice for those who are. I'm simply going to ask you just to repeat, repeat this simple prayer after me. Sing, Dear Jesus, I give you my life, all of myself. I turn from my old ways to trust in you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. I believe you rose again to give me new life. I place my hope in you. Make me a brand new person. Give me a brand new start. And I will live for you all the days of my life. Amen.